Picture the scene again. It's election day, and there's a buzz about town. The news is running the election as the main story all day long. Which party is going to win? This feels familiar. It does, doesn't it? Deja vu. <laughs> but as you go to cast your vote, this time you're thinking, if I don't do this, I'm going to have to pay a 20 Australian dollar fine, so I better get on down to the polling station and vote. Wow, that's interesting. Hello, and welcome to the morality of everything. <laughs> as was clear from that, we're still continuing our voting series. Today we'll be talking about mandatory voting. Should mm. we make it compulsory? How should we make it compulsory? And we'll be talking a lot about actual context and incentives. We spent a lot of the last episode talking about duties and mm -hmm. um, you know what you should what you should want to do. In this one, we'll be talking more about like practically what kind of things can you do, and we'll be talking about some of the biases, for example, to actually paying a fine versus you know the opportunity cost of paying by uh, not turning up. Exactly. I'm Jacob, by the way, your co-host. I'm Anthony, the other co-host. Thank you for everyone who's left reviews, and thank you to everyone for whom we are a top Spotify podcast. That's yes. that's really really flattering. Thank you. Yes. Uh, again, actually, we mentioned at the beginning of this series, but we'll include a link to our calendar, and we'll also include a link to a survey. You know, we are startup people. This is a, a sideline for us. We do it for fun. But it means that we bring the same approach where we try to iterate on our product. So we need feedback from you. Tell us what do you enjoy? What don't you enjoy? Should I get rid of Jake? Give me the mandate. <laughs> <laughs> if enough of you say it. <laughs> the returning guest will become the co-host. But yes, thank you very much. And please do leave reviews. Please do share. Uh, actually, we're one of the most shared podcasts on Spotify, apparently. Woo! But that's also the best way to grow, especially because we don't do gimmicky nonsense like bringing in um, guests and then like that bloody there's, uh, there's an English guy who's really annoying with this and he talks about himself anyway yeah yeah that's not the format it's always yeah we, we, we like doing it as mm. the two of us um, so if you enjoy listening to us as yeah. much as we enjoy recording this please uh, yeah yeah, yeah. spread the, the love onto the show so over 20 countries have some form of compulsory voting which requires citizens to register to vote on election day as per our example in the intro one of the most well-known examples is Australia. All Aussie citizens over 18, except those of unsound mind or criminals, must be registered to vote and show up at their designated polling place on election day. And this has been the case since 1924. Voter turnout dropped below 60% prior to that, and in every election since, it's never been below 91%. And the reason it's not 100% is because if you're ill or otherwise incapable of voting, you can have your fine waived. And yeah. obviously some and other some people do just people get fined. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's I actually think... not as high as I thought it would be. Well, no, $20, I was like, oh. I think the really interesting thing is that like clearly it's not a to find clearly maybe it's not even a statement of duty it sounds like it's more just like mm. balancing incentives i bet it, it's a faff to pay <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it, it, it's also a faff to pay so i think it's actually one of those things where it's more about yeah incentives than it is about necessarily like really a statement of like what you should and shouldn't do uh, in the last episode we asked if voting makes sense giving your vote is vanishingly unlikely to swing the outcome why bother uh, we looked at expressive theories uh, sorry this was actually in the first episode we split mm -hmm. into two uh, the voting is more about the experience and then we looked at the question of moral duty in the yeah, most recent episode. one yeah uh, a lot of people feel a sense of moral duty around voting with voter out dropping and concerned that young people, pesky Gen Zs, uh, are, di are disengaged. Should we enshrine this duty in law? Actually, Gen Z turnout was high during the most recent midterm elections in the US. It's part That's of the reason cool. the um, results were different to the polling because polling is based on calling people at home and who picks up the phone at home? Mm. Old people. So it gets a very biased view. That's interesting. They should start polling over TikTok and then. Mate, genuinely. Yeah. Uh, like they should start. Like it's actually amazing that we don't do more voting and polling and stuff digitally considering it exists mm. at the tech. We're so, basically yeah. going to discuss pros and cons uh, and it's going to be. Um, fairly quick fire and then we're going to move on to the Sandel-esque question should you sell your vote should, should you be, be allowed, should you be to, allowed sell to sell your vote which actually your vote. yeah which actually like you know free market kind of makes sense sorry carry on we'll come to that so let me give you the arguments in favour and let's do these one by one and, and just debate them quickly the arguments for making voting mandatory 
is that you would increase voter turnout, especially in the USA where it's dropped below 60%, mm-hmm. but although not in the midterms, as you said, but I, I think- Oh, I don't know if turnout, there was larger Gen Z turnout, but you I don't know, know what, what the overall, overall was. turnout was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, think this, I, this stat I had was before the midterms. So, I think yeah. this makes sense. The reason I say that is because we talked a bit about the idea of mandate, mm-hmm. right? And you know, hey, maybe one of the duties is to, like to maintain democratic infrastructure. When you start to get to the point where like, oh, maybe less than a majority of people are gonna be voting, we're starting to risk our democratic infrastructure. So I could see that argument, yes. Yeah, and all the evidence as for the Australia example earlier is that this is one of the clear things that definitely is affected mm-hmm. when you make it mandatory people turn up people vote it would probably also put pressure on improving access you were talking about voter suppression in the last episode if people have to vote and it's like really long for them to do so that creates pressure to to make it easier and, and to yeah. invest in that infrastructure yeah but i guess part of the problem is that voter suppression is largely enacted by government right so, oh, so you're for saying example, it's deliberate yeah so like republicans make it harder for basically black inner city people to vote because they don't vote Republican. So and what's a means by which this happens? What's an example? Shutting polling stations in counties Nasty. that are Democrat, more democratic, meaning less, uh, or sorry, yeah, shutting polling stations in areas that vote more democratic. To, to force make it, you to go to... To effectively make the cost higher. Wow. Right? Making them making the polling stations open for less time, mm. right? However, counter argument, anyone can mail vote, more people should mail vote. Maybe mm. that was more normalized during COVID. Maybe that's part of the reason things are changing. Oh, uh, so do you, uh, even though it was sort of deliberately done and, and there was a cynical reading of that, do you think it's possible that it's that the expressed reason is, oh, because of COVID, there's pressure on polling stations, we should, yeah. Oh, no, no, it's it's cynical. It's it is cynical. cynical. Yeah. Like, for example, the introduction of the requirement to show ID, mm. right? Like, they, like, who doesn't have ID? Generally, mm. it's like immigrants who are legally there, of course. You know, the, the idea that like, the false narrative that like oh there's lots of impersonation where there's no evidence to support it like it's just a it's just something for trump to say to scare old white people interesting well that segues quite neatly into the second argument in favor of mandatory voting which is a demographic argument which is that some groups systematically might be less likely to vote mm. and making them would make government more representative and now you've given an example of where that's been sort of deliberately enforced but it might be the case that there are you know minorities who systematically don't vote because it's it's not it's, it's not, not something that's encouraged thing. in the yeah, same yeah. way no i know? can see that like I mean, for example, actually, if you ask the average inner city kid in, for example, London, mm. like, do they vote? They'd be like, no. <laughs> right. So maybe forcing them would be a better way to force them to be somewhat civically engaged, right? Yeah, because people feel assured that other people like them will be voting. Yeah, it will, basically, it's much easier to make people do stuff than to convince people it's cool to do stuff. Yeah, and then another thing that I really like, I, I buy this argument a lot, is that if you make voting mandatory, candidates can concentrate purely on issues rather than spending some amount of time encouraging people to bother to vote at all. To market the act of voting as well as market their policies this way, they okay, know okay. people are going to vote. And this now brings it into the cons area, right? If you're forcing people to vote, that means you're going to get an even less engaged average vote right mm-hmm. and that actually means by contrast maybe rather than concentrating on policy and issues candidates focus on methods of communicate me- methods of driving engagement that actually you know you could talk total nonsense or, or basically lie mm. or be misleading to drive votes you're saying you'd be more hyperbolic more like clickbaity it's yep. the kind of government the brexit kind of take back control yes that becomes exactly, the theme exactly. of okay also things like who has the biggest twitter following who has the biggest tiktok following who's best looking like is going to matter more and more as you bring people as you force more people to vote who are actually less engaged in policy i see what you mean i see what you mean which um, was a, like it was, i'm sure all that stuff always mattered but you're right yeah. like if people don't care they don't engage whereas if yeah. they have to they're more likely to be influenced by mm. it i was listening to a really interesting podcast about Fox News. I think it was Robert Ailes, the founder of Fox News, Mm -hmm. who said about Richard Nixon, right? He said, Nixon was the last president who couldn't guest on a uh, talk show. As in because they didn't exist in the same way or the distribution wasn't there? uh, As in because 
TV wasn't mm. popular before that, mm-hmm. right? And now, such a, like the way that we vote is so soundbitey mm. and, and social media, and it's the same way that like you know maybe Obama or whoever you want to say. Well, actually, a yeah, Trump followed Obama, so maybe Obama was the last person who wasn't an internet celebrity, right? <laughs> Where it's like it, you just can't be president if you're not an internet celebrity because that's how you drive people to vote for you. And maybe yeah. this is encouraging that that kind of actually are arguably bad. Well, it was striking in the presidential elections. You know, they do those debates before and that's that's become more and more of a feature. I feel like, I don't know when they were created as a, mm. as a format, but they seem to be more of a sort of formality. And I feel like in later years, it's been about getting the right soundbite. They've become yeah. major kind of- That's always been a thing for TV, to be fair. Yeah, okay, ish. yeah. But yeah, it's it, even more because now it's not just like a soundbite as in like, that's the bit people remember. Now it's a soundbite as in like, that's this the bit we're going to put on Packaged and yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Sticking with the arguments for- um, <laughs> Despite the fact that we're totally undermining them. <laughs> <laughs> the other argument is that uh, when everyone has to vote, governments must consider the whole electorate in policy formulation. Now, this could go two That's ways. That's nonsense, though. Well, it could go two ways, like you say, because it could mean that if everyone has to vote, you have to be more clickbaity again. Yeah. Um, but it, the idea is that, okay, since everyone has to vote, we need to think about young people. We need to not just about our core voters and, and making sure we get enough of them. I don't know. Because like, okay, say for example, more people vote. First of all, again, this is a social media factor. Like mm-hmm. we can do different messaging to different groups. So maybe it's more that, okay, we're going to target our kind of semi-racist stuff to old white people. <laughs> and we're going to target our anti-new immigrant stuff to current immigrants. Because mm. actually those are the people don't realize yeah. those are the people who are least, those are the people who are most replaceable by immigrants. It's recent immigrants. Yeah, that's actually in the Brexit stats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but okay, I understand what they're saying. Like, mm-hmm. And also there's a, a wider argument aside from the fact that social media lets you target certain groups. Like still, like we tend to find that certain parties are the parties of certain groups, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, if the groups that you're targeting don't hit a majority, then maybe you're like, okay, I need to add a couple groups, but it doesn't mean you appeal to everyone. If I need 51% of the vote, that doesn't mean I need 51% of all groups. That means like, okay, I know I've got old white people and I know I've got the kids of old white people. I need to add, okay, let's add particularly religious people. And it's just, you're instead of appealing to everyone being broad-based, you're just like, no, I need to really appeal. To bring the marginal ones in who now have to vote. So let's give them a reason to vote for me. Yeah, yeah. Within my popular groups. Interesting, interesting. There's always the option to spoil a ballot. So that's, yeah, that's an argument for mandatory voting being yeah. fine because you're not forcing people to vote one way or another. That's an argument for like why why it doesn't harm citizens to make yes. them vote. Yeah. So always the option to spoil a ballot. So this is one, or as you spelt it in the notes, ballet. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I agree with this, but I guess what if in a way, I agree with that, but what if we're basically just taxing the people who already can't vote. So say, for example, in the US, if you don't marry the requirement to vote with easy access to voting, Mm. more information about postal votes, for example. You're just collecting a lot of $20 fines. Yeah, you're just collecting $20 fines from people who already have expressed the fact that they can't afford to take the time out to go and vote. But yeah, I mean, okay, I understand that point. You can always spoil your ballot. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like I I actually kind of agree with that. There are two more arguments in favor. One is kind of following on from the last episode we did about if we say voting is a civic duty then doing this just enshrines that in law and it kind of formalizes that sort of democratic principle that we're driving at. That's hard to argue with, I think. Yeah, and I think the other one encourages everyone to be more politically aware. I think that's fair. I think the other thing is that it also takes advantage of, this is like not a statement of morality, right or wrong. I think it's interesting how like introducing a fine really changes your uh, psychological uh, psychology or your, your your economic behavior around it, right? Mm. Because it, the difference between you know not paying to go and do something versus being fined to do something, like it, mm-hmm. it's even if you made the fine five pounds, 
the impact would be very disproportionate beyond five pounds. Like, yeah. Because you should be able to factor in like, oh, actually, you know, it wasn't worth my time before. Is five pounds that big a difference? No, it's still not worth it, right? Mm-hmm. But we overvalue that five pounds because suddenly it's like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. I have to pay a fine. There's, this is a fascinating... I've got two really uh, great Freakonomics examples that connect to this. Uh, mm-hmm. So one that completely supports what you just said is the plastic bag tax that was introduced. Exactly. And you remember in supermarkets, and it was literally like 5p to begin with. And that was to say, if you want to get a plastic bag afterwards to cut down on plastic waste, you had to pay 5p. And suddenly everyone started remembering to bring their sort of carrier bags and, and mm-hmm. plastic waste really reduced. And that was a really good example of fines. So the net result of the plastic bag tax was an example of uh, a fine that worked really effectively because it was a nice the influence behavior. There's another example where it didn't work, which is really funny, which is in Freakonomics, they gave the example of a kindergarten where parents are often late to pick up their kids. And so they thought, how do we correct this behavior? We'll introduce a late fine. So if you're late by 10 minutes, you pay $10. And ironically, what happened is suddenly more and more people started being late because they saw it as a fee rather than a fine. And they were like, cool, okay, now I can be late. And $10 is worth my time because I'm working. And therefore- So this might be an argument that this could have an adverse effect. Exactly. Maybe Maybe less people will turn up because they'll be like, no, nah, like I've paid my fine, so I've done my civic duty. Mm. I've discharged my civic duty by paying my tax. Exactly, exactly. So it could go either way, and it's it's hard to say. It seems to be the case empirically from the Australian example. It brings turnout That up. it does increase turnout. Yeah, I've got a really interesting stat on this, though, and this links to the last thing we said, which is that doing this should encourage people to be more politically aware. Unfortunately, the data does not bear this out. In mm. fact... The data bears out that voting gets people to vote and not much else. Contrary to many theorists' expectations, it appears that compulsory voting has no significant effect on individual political knowledge. It doesn't encourage ignorant voters to become more informed. Individual political conversation, propensity to contact politicians, all these things that you could measure, participation in campaign activities, the likelihood of being contacted by a party or politician, the quality of representation, blah, 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 blah. All of these things, don't, like they don't empirically change. Political scientists have also been unable to demonstrate that compulsory voting leads to more egalitarian or left-leaning policy outcomes. The empirical literature so far shows that compulsory voting gets them to vote, but it's not clear that it actually makes people more engaged. Yep. They just turn up. Right. And let's con- let's combine this with some of the issues we were talking about earlier. What happens when we suddenly have like a world where people are consuming media through mm. highly curated formats to drive their voting behavior, not to inform them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It uh, becomes quite vulnerable, actually. It, at that point. Yeah, it becomes extremely vulnerable, right? It's actually like, oh, I actually have these people who have to vote and they don't much care about it. Those are the perfect people to target. And it really actually does kind of give credence to this idea that like, <laughs> in the words of Littman, as we discussed in another episode, democracy is far too important to leave it to the uh, <laughs> to public opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now, yeah, that, that now let's go to the um, arguments against mandatory voting. And there's a number, and I think probably the strongest one is exactly like you say, if you make everyone vote, but we exist in an environment where, which we do, where, where there's um, social media is highly influential uh, in terms of what people are deciding and, and people don't necessarily get better informed Mm. you suddenly have you're, you're supercharging the vulnerability of, of electoral yep. outcomes yeah and I think actually it comes to that thing that we discussed in either last episode or the episode before for us it was all at the same time today uh, where I kind of said like actually the kind of equilibrium pricing of voting it's quite nice that that kind of is an equilibrium it, it kind of prices in how much do you actually care about this thing right mm-hmm. it's actually it, it's almost like a nice sense check mm-hmm. um, of like do you actually care about this like you have to bother coming to vote mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. whereas now it's like you have to vote or else you're charge some money. And I guess it kind of avoids those people who perhaps are more susceptible to that because they have less strongly held, not not because, not sorry, this is not to say that they're like in some way stupid or something. Mm-hmm. It's just that they have less strongly held views, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, a catchy TikTok video is more likely to sway your voting behavior if you don't have some strong prior belief on how you were going to vote, right? It's much harder to change someone's mind than it is to give someone 
a an opinion. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, let me reel off the other arguments against, and we can make of them what we will. Firstly, it could be seen as undemocratic to make people vote because it's a kind of infringement of liberty. What do we think about that? I don't know about undemocratic, but maybe illiberal or, mm. or unfair in its own right, or an infringement of liberty. Like undemocratic seems ironic. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like a tautology. A yeah. Tautology? No, not a tautology. A an oxymoron. Yeah. But yeah, yeah like maybe in some, <laughs> in maybe in some way wrong. I get that. I don't think so. I, 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 to be fair, I could see this fitting in the same way that like taxes fits in. Like I don't mm-hmm. think it's necessarily an infringement of your liberty. It's it's a necessary cost of, of maintaining our infrastructure. Arguably, if mm-hmm. you were to do it, I don't. I personally don't think it's necessary but like if we entered a world where like it was necessary to maintain a democratic infrastructure like i don't think it would be undemocratic or unfair because it's it's not a huge cost is it like Mm -hmm. it certainly doesn't to the extent it infringes your liberty it's not in a way that matters Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. okay whatever you have to do a postal vote it would be undemocratic if i if you were to make people vote for a particular party yeah. If you had to turn up and vote for... Yeah, you're still getting a choice there. Yeah, you're still getting a choice. Oh, yeah. So focusing on the undemocratic part, it's definitely not undemocratic. Is it unfair or, you know, Ill- illiberal? I don't... It, I, it, to the it extent could, it is, it's acceptably so. It could be classed in the same bracket as paying taxes, in which case... Yeah, exactly. You know, right. I think I think that's the justification there. That's fine. This uh, this next one kind of follows what we were saying about voter vulnerability, or sorry, the, the vulnerability of elections, which is that people don't necessarily vote in their own self-interest anyway or do what's best for them. This and is, if you make them vote, then... This is what we were basically talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is already bad enough that there are people who are induced to vote based on misleading information. Now you're going to, like we were saying earlier, mm-hmm. the, like the marginal person who otherwise wouldn't have voted is probably more influenced yeah. by influencers. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is that there are more votes to count. So there's an administrative cost to that. But mm-hmm. also it may increase the number of um, either spoiled ballots or donkey votes. So votes yeah. for random candidates like Mr. Dustbinhead. Yeah. Spoiled ballots, I actually don't have an issue with. Like yeah, That's fine. That's an expression. That's like a reassurance of the fact that it's providing a spoiled ballot ensures I don't mind or I don't know mm-hmm. versus... I wasn't able to vote, mm-hmm. right? So that's fine. Random votes, okay. On the one hand, maybe a bit of a problem. On the other, so this is a practical, not a moral or mm-hmm. a principle one, but so unlikely to matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, I could see a world, okay, if your voter turnout is 60%, you force 100% to come and the majority of them just put a random vote. Okay, maybe that's starting to be a problem. Yeah. Right? Well, but I don't think that's likely. It's the administrative administrative cost. Elections happen relatively infrequently anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. What is also a relevant cost, though, is that resources have to be sent on whether those who failed to vote had sufficient reasons. Yeah, it's just administration of these fines. It's like, stuff, were right? you actually ill? Like, how do you collect the fines? All these things. Yeah, I guess on, on a relative scale, so uncostly in the scale of government, it's like I think it's so. not even worth discussing. The final one, as we already discussed, is that there's not much evidence that mandatory voting makes people better informed. There's only real evidence that it makes people turn up. And then to sum that all up, how valuable is it making people vote? I mean, how, how much do we care about that? Mm. Do we actually prefer the model where, like you said, there's an equilibrium effect because people who care enough are the ones that come out to vote? Yeah. Is it better to leave it that way and make it a choice than to yeah. enforce it? Yeah, I mean, like, because I mean, one thing to say is, like, maybe it's kind of a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it's an expression of the fact that, like, hey, most people are happy if most people don't want to choose between two options. Like, maybe most people, like, both options are pretty good, mm-hmm. right? Like, or, or equally bad, but or, fine. Or, yeah, you know? well, that's that's the difficult part, right? Mm. Um, but activism helps to kind of counterbalance that. Because then the way that you fight that issue isn't by voting, it's by activism, mm-hmm. right? Or, and vocal opposition. But, you know, you could see in some way, if 95% of people aren't turning out to vote, you could see some argument that that's a good thing, right? That that's, mm. a, that's an expression of like, oh, wow, 
we've got to the point where like our society is so stable and, and happy and comfortable that actually the multiple options are good. Like we shouldn't just have like really far out there parties to just to, just to encourage people to vote against them. That said, is that actually true practically? Like, I don't know. I personally think there is a plurality of opinion amongst people. The synthesis of that uh, over time is kind of the beauty of the democratic process and that like maybe that's maybe i if i heard that someone had a 95 percent like not turning up rate my gut would probably say like people are disengaged or don't believe they can change things mm -hmm. rather than they're very happy yeah to counter that point what i said about spoiled votes um at least it validates i don't mind yeah versus but then it could also be an expression of apathy or like i don't like any of this mm -hmm. right again that's a place for vocal opposition. That's kind of the measure. You don't you don't measure the political sentiment just through voting. You mm -hmm. measure it through so much more. So let's kind of summarize then. Jake, do you think mandatory voting should be a thing? Or more specifically, do you think there should be a small fine for not voting? That's a really, yeah, I, I, I suppose that's, uh, they're not necessarily synonymous, are they? Although one feels like a way of achieving the other. Because if you're, if you're being fined, is that because you violated some law? It, like, could you have a fine and not make it mandatory? You could make it a non-voting fee and then it's, then it's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the only thing is then you're just going to be charging. I think the number one thing is you need to make, you, we, all Western country, all countries that have democratic voting, mm -hmm. should make it as easy and accessible as possible to vote. Mm -hmm. So only when the cost is acceptably low mm -hmm. can we then start thinking about forcing people to vote. Yeah, Because so long as there are people who would like to vote and don't for practical reasons, levying a fee on them is is just an extra tax. It's, it's yeah, ridiculous. It's, it's unfair. It's actually already, like there's plenty of people who already want their voice to be heard and are struggling. Suddenly like making them also pay for that fact would actually just be painful, not helpful. Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm torn. I actually I went into this thinking I think it would be a good thing, but that's because I sort of I suppose I still hold on to some belief that even though the evidence bears out it doesn't make people more engaged, it feels like it should. It you, you just, just you, yeah. Mm. But then is that a good thing? Like you're saying in a in a in a world where TikTok can have yeah, it is engaged, outsized influence. Exactly. Is engaged even yeah, a good thing. It's a good sense check that like people are actually like mm. thinking about this rather than Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm leaning actually away from it. Maybe that's drawing me into the realm of it would be better to have a sort of epistocracy of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like the, what they're talking about. I feel like the more I kind of listen, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll make a separate um, episode where we discuss like what makes a democracy legitimate and, and, and who should Littman versus Dewey. Dewey is a famous promote, proponent of uh, democracy and kind of his articulations that we should think of ourselves all as a, on a team together. Yeah, maybe we'll do that as a separate episode to discuss. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's amazing. Like the more I talk about dem democracy, the like more cynical or like apathetic or like tired. I kind of I, literally, it's been two hours we've been talking about it, so I am now literally tired. Um, <laughs> very quickly, just to kind of, ta I don't. It was going to be its whole own episode, but let's tack it on here. Yes. Um, should you be allowed to sell your vote? Really interesting examples where like, you know, things that you might consider civic duties uh, have in the past been sellable. So, for example, during the American Civil War, you were able to sell your place. Mm. Uh, you could pay someone else to fill your role. And in, 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 in fighting, you mean? Yeah, in fighting yeah, in the yeah, Civil yeah. War, if you were conscript. And in some sense, you know, I suppose like it's an expression of free markets and preferences, but it's also an expression of intensity kind of gets intensity. captured by that, right? Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, right, say, you know, if I'm indifferent between two things, we'll go back to a, from another episode or example of going for Italian or Chinese, you don't mind your friends are mm. split over it, right? If one of your friends says, look, if we go to my meal, I'll pay 
for you to eat, that's a tangible benefit from from mm. instrument from an instrumental theory. Like you are net benefiting, they are net benefiting the the person who's offering you. Like let's go to my one and I'll pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, let's say for example, the other team is also able to pay in a world where the fee is sufficiently small such that they both can afford, and it's an expression of preference. Mm-hmm. Then actually, the pricing mechanism cannot arguably be fair, right? Because mm-hmm. then the equilibrium would be the point where like I make enough, you know, I'm getting a free meal, so I'm benefiting, and whoever is paying me is paying enough such that their happiness from getting the meal they want minus losing the money mm-hmm. roughly equals the other person like is like okay I don't have to I don't get the meal I want but I save that money mm. right so it's actually like a nice pricing mechanism yeah. which is what something cool that it introduces the problem is and this comes back to this idea of like civic duty like you know if you are part of a society and you're fighting in a civil war to represent part <laughs> of it there's a kind of an innate feeling that like to really be part of that you don't pay someone else to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Paying a mercenary to go on your behalf isn't the same as truly having fought for that. What if they're so much better than you at fighting? Well, actually, <laughs> that's actually a very good argument, right? Like, but it's it's some sort of expression of like this is my devotion to this thing. Mm. I, I, it was really interesting. I was listening to a podcast about uh, Mugabe, mm-hmm. right, uh, in Zimbabwe, and it was saying how like so much, and this is interesting, so much of, of the political clout of the um, ZANU PF party was that so many of them were ex-revolutionaries, mm. and so like. There was kind of this 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 expression of commitment, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's kind of maybe that's it. Maybe it's about communicating your ideals and the extent to which you hold a certain view by being willing to risk a huge cost. And so, like paying a, an amount of money can never be compared to the risk of losing your life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the risk of, uh, in this case, it's not risk of losing your life. It's the expression of your, uh, to, to put a price on your opinion, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a bit like, you know, okay, in, in the case of advertisements, we know it doesn't matter. But like, let's say, for example, someone said to you, hey, Jake, uh, imagine you had a platform, mm-hmm. right? This imagine, podcast. This, yeah. <laughs> uh, and imagine someone said to you, hey, Jake, I'm going to pay you to say this thing that you don't actually think, right? Mm-hmm. I guess the question is, is there any amount of money you should be willing to accept. This podcast is brought to you by <laughs> the Republican Party. But, there's a, but there's, a di- there's a difference between like saying, hey, this is an advert and saying, this is my opinion, you know, and hey, secretly I was paid for that. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you see how that kind of can undermine the sanctity of that platform and of your, the, yeah, of, of you having of an opinion? Mm, exactly. It's, it's, it's why things... Instagram had to crack down on sponsored posts, right? When, yeah, exactly. When, when and and also clarify clear. and also clarify what is sponsored, right? Because uh, it's to clarify what's my actual opinion and what's not. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is, which is it's an interesting argument related to this. Specifically, about the selling or trading of votes, bit of data. Most people do see it as something immoral and most philosophers would tend to agree. I don't know if you as an audience have thought about this, um, but there's a possibility that you think that if you were allowed to sell your votes, then the rich and powerful will be able to buy them more. They could have more influence in government than they already do. Yes. And so that this would is, be horrible. Well, actually, to be fair, this is this is one of the things that, like, this is a kind of cyclical slippery slope argument. You'll notice when I talked about my example of Chinese versus Italian, I'd specified that the amount was small enough that both of them could afford it. Mm. Like when it starts to become issues of bargaining power. And also I talked about something trivial like a meal. Mm -hmm. What happens when you start to talk about the power that like the people who are selling their votes don't realize will entrench further power to then not need to buy your vote in future? Exactly. To summarize the arguments around this, the argument in favor of selling your vote is that it could lead to more efficient outcomes. And that's basically it. It's like people who don't care can get some money for it. People who do care can actually register the intensity of their vote by buying more votes or they can have more influence on the outcome, which kind of links to the instrumental theories we talked about earlier. Yeah. I mean, in some sense... Do you not, uh, this is the other thing, like there's some uh, a free will uh, little uh, filter in between. But, you know, some people, people argue a lot about like, oh, like misleading information on uh, social media, blah, 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 right? Like mm. if you're a truly free will, like rational argument, it's like, 
well, people can show you whatever they want. People form their own opinions, so it's still their own opinion, right? Mm. But in some sense, people do buy votes. Mm -hmm. It's just that they use this inefficient method of, of <laughs> signaling and marketing, signaling and marketing, <laughs> and misleading statements and 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 talking mm. nonsense about policies that they then don't or can't enact, mm -hmm. right? Rather than just being like, hey, look, I'll just give you some financial benefit, right? Mm. In some sense, that would be more efficient or, or more honest mm -hmm. than the palaver of all of this political theater that doesn't actually matter. It's true. It's true. And and there is a logical follow-on from this, which is that if you are indifferent to the outcome, then why can't you just sell your vote? Because you know, even if there's a moral duty to vote, the national share of votes will stay the same. It's mm. not like you're creating votes. It's not like you're introducing new votes into the system. You're just allowing someone who cares more than you do to shape the result because it doesn't matter to you. And you might wonder then, how would you price this? But that's the beauty of the free market. <laughs> <laughs> so the price you sell your vote for is obviously the equilibrium between what you think it's worth and what the person who buys it is willing to pay. I, I've got here in the example, but let's say Ant really hates the Tories. Hypothetically. Yeah. Hypothetically. <laughs> just an example. Uh, if he can find a group of people who are indifferent, maybe they wouldn't bother to vote at all, and he could buy their vote at £20 each, maybe all our interns last summer, if mm -hmm. they didn't care, and Ant could buy their votes. Everyone can be made better off. Ant now has an arsenal of votes with which to try and influence the outcome of the election, making it more rational for Wait, him to participate. Strictly, is this illegal? Yes, it is. It is legal? No, it's illegal. It's illegal? I, yeah, with an I. Illegal. How how do they monitor it? I don't know that they I do. Know. I guess, well, I guess the problem is like, those people could always say they're going to do it and then just not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because and that's, you can't that's monitor really, their vote. That's that's actually literally one of the one of the arguments uh, around this is that, you know, there's there's no clear way of making making sure it happened. Um I mean that would be a great fraud. <laughs> Buy my vote. Yeah. But yeah, Ant is uh if you look at it that way, as a sort of free market approach. Ant mm. is doing more than discharging his duty. He's discharging it in like a supercharged way. He's really politically engaged. He's mm. demonstrating a lot of the civic virtues and, and again, that we value. Like we said, like making the paying the implicit cost of putting time and effort into things, paying to amplify your message, mm -hmm. paying marketing campaigns, etc. In some less direct way, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And exactly. I mean, as an economist, it sounds highly efficient and we love efficiency. Mm. We live for efficiency. It maximizes, maximizes benefit. It maximizes utility across multiple people. But there there are, of course, problems, and the best uh, articulation of those problems um, that I've come across is, is by Michael Sandel, the Harvard philosophy professor, uh, and he makes two very compelling arguments against it. One is he says that by selling your vote, you are literally corrupting the, the good that you're selling. You're corrupting the sanctity of voting. By selling your vote, you make it a commodity mm -hmm. instead of being like a sort of expression of uh, of democracy, you've literally, you've, you've changed the good itself. Yeah. Uh, he gives loads of other examples of when this can happen, but in voting specifically... Sex, sex might be one of those sex examples. Sex is another example. Yeah. Uh, selling kidneys. He says you're corrupting, corrupting the sort of thing itself. The second, and I think more compelling here, is the argument around bargaining power, which is that one, there's a problem around pricing, but two, there's literally a problem with buying elections because let's say, let's say Ant is Jeff Bezos and has near unlimited wealth, not literally, but he's, he's very, very rich. And he could come in and say, not just offer me 20 quid, he could offer me a hundred grand and he could offer loads of people a hundred grand mm. and people be like, wow, yeah, I mean, <laughs> why wouldn't I sell my vote now? Mm. It's not worth that much to me. Yep. You've suddenly completely changed the uh, dynamics and the opportunity costs of, yep. of, of voting. And now let's imagine that that, I mean, let's say it's a hundred dollars a vote. Mm -hmm. You know, he has billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. Let's say he buys enough votes and enough votes in representative, House of Representatives in the, House of, uh, the Senate. 
let's say you just buy enough to hit 51% and then you bring in a bunch of laws that say like, and mm-hmm. now I, you know, have total control forever, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's not realistic, but let's, this is kind of the extreme of the argument they're making, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they then will say like, and we never need to buy your votes again, actually now this is, you know, we completely <laughs> use this power to undermine the system. Well, Hitler kind of did that. I that's, mean, yeah, has pretty much. Yeah. It's just that he did it by building popular vote and then doing that rather yeah. than buying, people's buying people. But it's it's the same sort of mechanism and it, it, it's avoiding an easy way of people having access to that. Mm. Right. And it's also the same reason that we put a lot of uh, checks and balances to stop people in power being able to do that. It's know? why checks and balances are so important. It's why they're, yeah, they're critical yep. to the system. Exactly. exactly. And it's also why we make you know that happening indirectly, such as gifts for politicians, uh, mm. illegal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are pretty strong arguments against. Um, but let's, before we wrap this up, let's challenge some of those assumptions. Whenever people talk about buying votes being a problem, they kind of implicitly or, or explicitly assume that you would buy votes in a socially destructive way. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, you could be highly benevolent and you could influence votes to be more yep. efficient. We enter the realm of like subjective good yep. and bad well, and stuff. Well, but- this is, this is the, we talked about this Bezos example, right? Mm. Let's say Bezos does that. Flip it around. What's the outcome? Let's say there's a benevolent dictator who's like, oh no, actually I'll pay a little bit more and I'll use your votes to do good. Mm. And then you're actually creating a market for this uh, for this good, the votes, right? Mm-hmm. And we can actually get an expression of like how much these people care about it. And also someone like Bezos would then probably reach the point where it's like, it's not worth spending all this money. You know, you'd reach an equilibrium point where everyone kind of ends up. Yeah. And then actually it's inefficient. Then yeah. that, that's the irony is all you've done is sort of introduce a price that kind of inflates and suddenly like everyone's paying everyone to vote and, and, and it becomes... Well, but I mean, that just drives the price down, right? In theory, but yeah, it would follow sort of pricing dynamics. Um, The beauty of the free market. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. On the same sort of benevolent theme, what if you just paid people to vote at all? What if you were like, I want to improve youth participation, so I'm going to go and pay all these kids to vote and it's their choice. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to buy their vote in the sense of like, I'm just going to encourage them to vote. That's probably less But that's a very, very different argument though, right? It's a different kind of In fact, why didn't we discuss that in the last, in the first part of this episode? What if instead- Of finding people. Of finding people, we gave people a reward. That's what we should be doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fantastic. We should actually have that as a policy. Oh my god, <laughs> how, how do we miss such an obvious like? That's actually that's actually the kind of thing I would I would one hundred percent approve of as a sort of UBI for voting. Well, it's kind of really, it's, 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 it's it's like taxes to you know we pay tax to the government to provide a public good. The government should pay people to provide a public good, mm. right? So come and vote. You're discharging your civic duty. You're providing a public good, giving mandate to the government, mm-hmm. um, and we're also compensating you for the fact that you have a cost to come and vote. Yeah, totally. We should the suppression that. thing. That's quite yeah. a nice. Idea, we should actually, actually pay people like twenty five quid. The only problem is it'd be really costly. Yeah, but then it's just money that you're giving to people. They're just going to spend it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it cycles back into the economy. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a nice inverse tax. I like that, guys. If you like that idea, spread this around. Yeah, that's it. We're using our platform. <laughs> so that's a sort of possibly silly example with the with the sort of paying people to vote at all. If you were like a sort of benevolent individual who just wanted to encourage social participation, but the government could totally do that, mm. as discussed. I suppose we mentioned this, but one of the other things. The, the, the problem with buying people's votes is that ballots are secret. Mm-hmm. So you'd have no way of registering did so-and-so vote the way that I wanted yeah. to. So really the latter of like just encouraging people to vote and just assuming that they'd vote in, in your interest is yeah. the only thing that you could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, high level, how do you feel about it? Do you think there should be a market for voting? No was my sense before we recorded this. I think it still is. Mine's still no, yeah. I, I, and I think it's just because the, the risks seem to outweigh the benefits. Yeah, so a big part of it is I think like risks outweigh the benefits. So just don't allow the incentives to arise. I think the, the entrenchment of power is too scary. Mm-hmm. And especially when people can make their money, you know, the, the system isn't perfect. People can make their money imposing externalities on others and then entrench that power. We see that already, mm-hmm. you know, with like lots of large industries and then lobbying 
being in mm. government, like we don't want to exacerbate that. And, and also bargaining power does exist as an issue, mm -hmm. right? And, and ultimately you don't want to reach a point where like it is more efficient for a government to just pay people for their votes than to actually do good policy. Mm -hmm. Say for example, and, and you know, something on climate change or something where that has huge impacts in the multi-decade or, or, you know, mid to long-term horizon, mm -hmm. like no amount of paying people to vote to do that should make sense. It's, mm. it, it allows too many muddled incentives between short and midterm. But I also think, yeah, like there's some sort of feeling in my heart that like this is an expression of your part of being part of this society that you shouldn't be able to abdicate, right? Mm -hmm. And the same, it, it's the same reason that I personally feel a strong motivation duty to vote. Mm. It's and the same way that like no amount of money would realistically get me to publicly voice opinions I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. I mean, if someone wants to be dumb enough to pay me to say stuff I think anyway, fine. <laughs> um, or if I'm if I'm able to caveat very clearly that this is a sponsorship, this is not my opinion, mm. fine. Say, for example, someone came to us and said, we like your platform. I want you to say, actually, is Trump that bad a guy? Do an episode on it, mm. right? And make it sound authentic or here's a script. Like there's no there's no amount of money that would get me to do that mm -hmm. because the, the kind of sanctity of my identity and opinion is important to me. But everybody has their price at <laughs> Yeah, grand. Um, but I mean, like that would just then be like balancing like, hey, the platform isn't that big. Like it's not gonna make that much of an impact, etc. <laughs> and then I can always just correct it later or whatever. Right? Um, but you, you I think you understand my point there. Do you, do you do. share that view? Yeah, no, I do. I do. I do agree. Jesus, yeah, Jake, I have like an original opinion for once in your life. Let's wrap this one up. Guys, we're going to do another episode soon about who should be allowed to vote and also the legitimacy of democracy in general and mm -hmm. the Littman versus um, Dewey, which I think would be interesting. I think we can come back and do that. We'll come back. Session. There's just so much to do on this. We will do it. Sorry, let's wrap this one up because you were accusing me of not having an original thought. And then I was going to say- So you're going to um, make one up. Should I pay you to have one? <laughs> That'll be 10 Australian dollars. 20. Uh, 20, indeed. God, it's been a long session. Yeah, no, you, you, your opinion. Who am I? <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is allowed to. It is allowed to share my opinion on that. So let's let's wrap it up there. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you indeed. Tell us what you think about the ideas. Tell us if you think people should be paid to vote. And do book a call with us and fill the survey. That'd be great.